This is episode number five, Learning from the Good and the Bad, with Joe Galindo. Welcome. My name is Oleg Loki, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Today's guest is a good friend of mine who I met through a networking group here in Austin called Friends of Peter. He's a co-founder of a phenomenal catering business called Red Book Chef, a business I highly recommend. So if you haven't done so already, please check out their website, redbookchef.com, or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at redbookchef for the latest recipes and cooking classes that you can attend in person. Without further ado, please welcome Joe Galindo. Yeah, Oleg, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah, man. Doing good. So I figured we'd start off, you know, just where we met, mm-hmm. uh, friends of Peter, tell yeah. me a little about the group, how you found it, what type of impact it had on you. Yeah, totally. Uh, friends of Peter is, is amazing. If if uh, if you don't have a chance, you will definitely need to check out Friends of Peter. Uh, Peter's an amazing guy. Uh, one of the most uh, known people in the U.S. Uh, knows a lot of people. Uh, and with that, uh, you'd think he's, you know, this god, if you will, but real humble guy, man, and, and a real good-hearted person. But we got invited uh, to Friends of Peter through some mutual friends at GVN, which is another networking group that we're part of, uh, my wife and I. Uh, and they invited us to check out Friends of Peter. We went, and we've met, you know, amazing people there, like yourself, with you know, these amazing causes, uh, nonprofits, and businesses throughout Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we've, we've really enjoyed going there, uh, mainly because we do, uh, or, or we're part of the food industry. We, we, we're not as active as we should be because we are busy on Saturdays, especially on Saturdays where they meet, uh, is when they meet. Um, but yeah, I mean, the times we've been and the times we will continue to go, we, we really enjoy, uh, this networking group, uh, Friends of Peter. And we really enjoy leaving Friends of Peter, like recharged and refreshed and almost like rebooted, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very positive, very, very positive group to be part of. But uh, yeah. Do you have any specific memories that you could share, like when, you know, you left and you're like, wow, that was a phenomenal day? Or Every time that we leave, Adriana uh, and I are, are very much with that feeling. Like, it just feels, it's therapeutic, you know, it feels great. Um, Peter has, like, a phrase or a word that, you know, he comes up with or, or lets us know about at the end of, of each uh, group meetup, mm-hmm. yeah, each meetup, um, and he's like, next week, this is the word that you need to, you know, kind of emphasize on, and so every Saturday morning, we all have, you know, our turn to really uh, go into depth with that word, and man, I'll tell you what, like, everyone just lets out everything i'm just it's one small phrase or one word and Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it man like that's what kind of uh sets this networking group a little bit apart from other networking groups that you can just release and it's really cool man yourself yourself yeah Yeah, man it's really cool Mm -hmm. and yeah that's that's what we really enjoy about that about that that networking group it's therapeutic how do you think people can recreate that environment outside of this particular group like if for example if someone else either wanted to start or be a part of a group like that in you know somewhere in uh, Arizona or somewhere Mm -hmm. else that that this group doesn't exist Mm -hmm. what do you think are the core elements that they can carry over from this group into theirs um just uh, the whole positive messaging and, and the positive vibes that Friends of Peter has, 
uh, I think that's the main thing, like just positivity and, uh, and the networking, like just meeting people uh, through that positive setting mm-hmm. is something any networking group or, or gathering should have, period. And so I think that's one thing that they, they should learn from mm-hmm. that, I believe it. that's the yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So let's let's dive into your work briefly. Yeah. Red Book Chef. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the name. How did you come about it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. let's actually take another step back. And I know your story relatively well yeah. because you shared it with me. But tell us a little bit about your background and that how you were able to develop that entrepreneurial spirit sure. over the years. Yeah, yeah, so uh, a little bit about Red Book Chef. Um, all the credit is my wife's. Uh, Anna. Yeah, when, when she was a little girl, um, she really wanted to be a chef. Like, since she was a little girl, she knew what she wanted, and, and, and now she is a, a, a chef, a culinary chef. So um, it all started when she was around six or seven years old. She would take notes uh, on this little red book. And she would watch like the Food Network and uh, PBS, like the, the food uh, segments of PBS, and she would take notes. And so um, what happened was that as the years went by, she kept the red book, right? And so uh, as a little girl, she would, you know, close off the dining room with, you know, sheets, bed sheets. Uh, to separate the kitchen from the dining room and she'd make a little host stand and come up with menus, you know, as, as a six, seven year old girl. And then she'd invite her family the next day for breakfast or whether it was breakfast, lunch or dinner. And she'd have these menus of, <laughs> of what she was going to make. Right. And so, um, yeah, the red book uh, up until college, she always had a little red book. And so that's how red book chef started. Mm-hmm. So I met her around five years ago. We we were part of an opening of a restaurant, and you know I, I saw her and instantly fell in love with her. And next thing you know, it we're we're friends and chit chatting about what we wanted to do later in life. And so what happened was that we both wanted our own business, and so Red Book Chef kicked off. Concept you know? was already there. Yeah, we both had a saying of just do it. You know, if you have an idea that's a good idea and you think it'll be successful, you know it, it will be successful, just do it. The more you think about it, the more, I guess, negativity might set in. Mm-hmm. And so we just did it. And five years later, you know, Red Book Chef is, uh, you know, it's, it's successful and we have a lot to learn and, uh, and a lot more to grow. Uh, I think that's that's continuously uh, the case with us. Like we, it's a process, we always, yeah. yeah, we always want to continue learning and 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 modifying and 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 changing uh, with Red Book Chef. Uh, I think the minute that you think that you know it all and nothing has to be changed is is the minute that you start declining. Yeah, not only in in, in your business but also. As, as yourself, you know, you always have to grow and learn. I mean, learn from people and, and, and your, your uh, you know, even your clients mm-hmm. will, will teach you a thing or two. So, you know, uh, it's very important to do that. Never stop learning. Yeah, never stop learning, never stop, never stop growing. And that's a little bit about myself. Um, we've always been driven. I say we've. Because uh, my sister and myself were adopted uh, Lisa, and we've always had that driven uh, spirit, you know, uh, in everything, you know, whether it was as children uh, driven to misbehave or whatnot, but we're always driven to get places and do things and conquer the world, if you will, you know, and, and we've traveled a lot, both her and I, and uh and yeah i mean we continuously learn you know through traveling uh that's one of my passions and adriana's passions my wife and we've always been uh, driven to travel because through our travels we learn Mm -hmm. you know um 
the countries we've been to, we we like to take notes of different you know restaurants that we're at and uh, kind of mentally and also uh, written notes. We kind of see what recipe ideas. Yeah. What like. what why is it that this restaurant is successful and. So yeah, we, we kind of we learn with mm-hmm. with every travel that we do, and uh, it's a, it's a big deal for us, you know. And so traveling uh, and wanting to travel as a child uh, up till today, uh, you know, it, it is what is what drives me and, and drives my wife and drives a business to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that gives us a lot of like of different ideas uh, to grow the business, you know. How do you find? How do you define success? Um, success, I think, is uh, learning. I mean, I think that is 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 the definition of success: continuously learn and learn from uh, friends and and even like uh, a lot of the the business people that we're surrounded by. We we learn from them and. Mm-hmm. Why is it that they're successful? But also, you learn from your mistakes, you know? Uh, you learn from mistakes to not, re, you know, do that mistake again. Uh, I think that's the key to success, is mm-hmm. continuously learn from good and bad. Yeah. So, taking back a little bit to your upbringing, you spoke a little bit about how you were adopted mm-hmm. with your sister. Yeah. What was their upbringing like? What, you know, yeah, we, what was the parent situation like? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Um, so, I guess uh, in a nutshell, we were born in the States. I was born in Denton, Texas, and Lisa was born in Fort Worth. Um, we both uh, were, were brought up pretty much in, in, in the streets of the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, with my mother. Uh, and, of course, she was an immigrant my or our birth father uh was i guess thrown in jail when we were like two or three years old um my memories are you know i have memories of my childhood not that much but from what i remember my mom was uh on her own you know at that time with two children and so it was difficult for her to, you know, I guess take care of us, you know, and so um, for whatever reasons, we were taken away and put in a in, uh, foster home in Fort Worth. And we were there maybe for a year, a year and a half. And uh, so at the age of five, going on to six, I was adopted. We were adopted, Lisa and I. And into the same family? No, it's another family. Okay. Yeah, they were from Mexico City, or they are from Mexico City, uh, but we were raised in Brownsville, so we went from North Texas to South Texas. Okay. And the upbringing was, I mean, we couldn't have asked for better parents, uh, a, a better, I mean, it is the best upbringing I think any child could have because we were raised, it was a strict household, but I thank God for that strict household upbringing because it's made me who I am now. And uh, as a child, of course, as a teenager, the rebellious years, you're like, (laughs) why did they treat me that way? But no, man, now that I'm older, I'm very, very grateful for that upbringing and for, uh, you know, just the way I was raised and the blessings that I was given, you know, I was in private high school and Mm -hmm. that alone was really cool. And, you know, uh, it was a blessing, and then just my dad, uh, him himself being a, a business owner, you know, I, I, I learned a thing or two from how he ran his business and how he uh, just was really driven with his business, um, and a very educated man, a mm-hmm. very, very educated man, so he taught us a lot about, you know, just education and music and traveling and and very humble a very humble individual so uh you know it's something that i definitely look up to my father who he himself was adopted oh wow yeah so he was adopted himself and, circle. yeah and, and, and adriana and i plan on adopting as well just to mm-hmm. give a, a, a better 
life and an opportunity to someone that that definitely needs it. We needed it, and mm-hmm. so we were blessed uh, in, in that aspect. And as uh, as as you grow up and, and you're involved in in, in uh, Austin Angels, for example, and foster homes, and you see the statistics of uh, you know just the foster the foster care system. And I mean, uh, Lisa and I were very uh, blessed to not be part of that statistic because the statistic is really high with foster kids not being adopted. Mm-hmm. So for us to be, or for myself to be five and Lisa three and have been adopted in a in a really good household, that alone is is yeah is a very uh, is a very uh, huge massive blessing um, that that we that we were blessed with you know so um yeah what's your relationship with your parents now do you yeah absolutely do you keep in touch with both sides the birth family no not adoptive or just one not with the birth my birth family i mean at the end of the day my parents are the ones that raised me and you know for whatever reasons um whatever happened with my birth parents you know it happened um i kind of when i was younger of course i I had some issues where, you know, maybe I was like, well, you know, I should maybe look into that and see who they are or where they are. And as I grew older, personally myself, my story was that, you know, I felt blessed being where I was. And, you know, you know, as I grew, I, I came to the realization that my family was the people that adopted me and raised me and nurtured me and, and helped me grow and and yeah I keep I keep in touch with my with my mom and dad my adopted parents um, we also have uh, a, a middle sister myself Lily who was also adopted from a different family in Mexico City and then and then uh, Lisa of course my sister lives a block and a half away um, and the story with us being adopted was that Lily was adopted first so the middle child was adopted first in Mexico City and then they moved and Lily at the age of two or three wanted a, a little sister and my adopted mother couldn't have children so they looked they looked for a baby sister for Lily and they found Lisa uh, my sister and they found out that Lisa had an older brother mm-hmm. so they kept us together which is another statistic of separation in the foster community or adoption community where sometimes they, they get yeah, they get a separated. So again, that's another blessing. Lisa and I stayed together. Uh, and it was all because, you know, uh, Lily, our sister, wanted a sister and, well, she got a brother as well, an older brother. And so, yeah, it was, uh, that alone was a blessing as well to stay together and have and gain another beautiful, amazing sister who, we really love and uh, she's very positive and you know uh, right now she's going to this really positive kick that we really love and so she's she's uh, grown up to be an amazing woman that's awesome yeah and so we, we're we're still uh, very close and they come to visit Austin and uh, Adriana and her family have gone to visit my family in Brownsville and go to South Padre and and here in Austin, you know, we hang out and do you know, every, what every Austinite does. So, yeah, it's it's been awesome to still have that connection and, you know, that uh, that love and, and bond, support yeah. and bond. Yeah, that's that's my family. You know, mm-hmm. that's who raised me. And so we definitely uh, we love them very much. Absolutely. How much of a role does knowing your past play in determining your future? And... Yeah. Also, for those who you know may be struggling and finding out themselves and um, certain things about their past, do you have any recommendations for where they can start that journey? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, everyone's different, of course, and everyone's uh, mind is different. And if you want to know your family, your your birth family, by all means, man. If you can and you have access to that, it's very important to. Never forget where you're from, you know, and and um, and I'll, that's what drives me because 
literally being raised uh, from months old and until the age of, you know, four and a half, five, um, uh, being raised on the streets of Dallas, Fort Worth, and, and remembering that. I remember, you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, showering in, in, in public fountains, you know, because we didn't have a place. So they, I remember being, you know, shower, bathed in a, in a public fountain, like in a mall. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it was like cops or security coming like, hey, and my mom just grabbing us and like, all right, let's go. So it's a lot of things like that. And sometimes sleeping on benches or, you know, a lot of, or, or sometimes even sleeping in like abandoned houses. Like that's what drives me, you know, to, to be a better person. But I never forget where I'm from and, and how I was raised and, you know, the, the, the beginnings of my upbringing, you know, it, that's it, uh, always with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, just as a regular human being, it's, we lose track of that. We lose track of this, you know, just you and I talking here, sitting down under your beautiful place. Like Mm -hmm. it's a blessing, you know, that living in Austin, being married, having this amazing wife and her family and my family, that's, that's a blessing. Or going for hikes sometimes, you know, I love to hike and I'll be on top of the hill, you know, at times with Adriana or by myself and just looking at the sunset, like, that's amazing. That's a blessing. You know, um, just the little things you, you, you need to really, um, just recognize that that is a blessing. That is not a lot of people have what we have here in the United States and Texas and in Austin, you know, like, um, we're blessed just as, as human beings, as Texas natives and, and citizens and, uh, and so I, I always count my blessings and I never forget where I'm from. And I always think like, if I wouldn't have gone adopted, like who knows where my life would have would gone have and what it would have been. And, um, and I feel very blessed to have the path that I had. I know a lot of people, and I'm very conscious that a lot of adoptees or even foster kids don't have that blessing. And uh, you just, you, you, it's important to count your blessings and be grateful, you know, and uh, give back. I mean, that that to me is also very important mm-hmm. to Adan and I, uh, is, is to give back. So that's why we're very happy to be part of this and mm-hmm. of other foster and adoption uh communities um but uh yeah it's really important to um just keep that in mind and and yeah and going back to that second question i think if if you want to look for your family go for it man you know you you know you don't know what you'll find you know and so it might it might be part of your growth as well Mm -hmm. so why not like you know, if you want to do it, do it. In my case, I really didn't, you know, uh, find um, the need to look. Or, or at to least not yet. You made down the road. Exactly. You know. might, that might definitely might change. Uh, yeah, I've heard that when you have kids, that's when, like, something clicks, you know. So uh, at the moment, we don't have children. But who knows? It might change. Uh, and it's not – I haven't wanted to look into it. You know, not for negative reasons or anything, but, you know, it's personal. You know, I, I feel like, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and what I've done. And the memory that I have of, of uh, my, my first upbringing, if mm-hmm. you will, that to me is special. Uh, and I like to keep it that way, you know, and maybe like, it might change. Who knows? It, it definitely might change. As of right now, you know, I'm happy and... Um, but yeah, that's how did you keep that drive when you were younger? And because I was in the same, I was in a similar position, yeah. you know, when I was younger, um, I've been fortunate enough where I can recall a lot of the things that happened to me. And, you know, it's one of those instances where just like you said, one day you're sleeping on the street in an mm-hmm. abandoned building. Yeah. So you never know 
the, the place you're going to sleep. You never know what you're going to eat yeah. or who's going to yeah. be around you to help the next day. So, like, how do you keep that drive as a young, especially as a five-year-old? What did you do to constantly tell yourself things are going to get better? I'm going to yeah. get out of this. You know, I don't know. Like, that that's an interesting... I mean, my sister and I, Lisa and I, have this thing where one day we were, like, um, we were in this abandoned, like, house... And we're on this mattress, and I remember something started biting both of us. I was like, of course, hugging my little sister, but something started biting us, whether it was ants or, you know, dogs or something. Yeah, we didn't know, but I remember Lisa just like getting up, and uh, and we joked and we say this, but like she was like, I'm done with this, and she just got up and left at three years old, and I followed her, and. She was ahead of me and I caught up to her, but when we looked back, we were lost. You know, we didn't know where we were. We didn't know what house we were staying at. So we, we just fell asleep on the sidewalk and this, this cop in Fort Worth found us and then that's when they took us to Child protect, Protective Services. But I know uh, that, that's funny because from then, I always joke with Lisa and they're like, that was your drive. Like you just, you were done with it. Like, you were little, but you were just, you were done. And to this day, she's a diva, you know, in, 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 a, in a positive way, of course. But she uh, she keeps going her way. Um, and it's it's positive, you know. She, she keeps building herself. Um, with, with me, um, I don't know, man. Like, I always had this, uh, I'm very spiritual, and I always felt since a young age that I had like this army of angels just always protecting me and I never felt scared. Like I never, never felt scared. My elements was outside and I loved it. To this day, I love it. I, I really do. I love the outdoors at night and to the day. Um, that to me was almost like in a weird way was I felt protected. Again, maybe because of me feeling like someone was protecting me. Um, and as I grew older and when I got adopted, I mean, you know, me and my adopted parents for a while, we clashed because, you know, it, it was just different, you know, different mindsets, yeah, different mindsets and her, their culture was different from mine. And, you know, uh, but Again, just the upbringing and being surrounded by the people I was surrounded by. My, my parents are Rotary Club members, so there's a lot of successful business uh, couples that are part of Rotary. And just seeing my dad working his butt off, man. I mean, I worked a lot, and I helped him, too. I saw what he did and the contracts that he had. And, and my mom was the director of, you know, of, of uh, religious education. And so very driven people um, and for us we saw that and and I guess we just we took it in subliminally we, we kind of took it in you know and um, so I, I credit them a lot for giving us that drive and kind of planting the seed of you know success of you know bettering yourself and if, if you want this you got to work your butt off to get it for it exactly so my adopted parents gave us that drive and um, and I mean that's what motivated us but I think also like our past like you know just uh, always on the move we were always like walking and I guess like gypsies I guess like <laughs> just going from you know Dallas One Fort Worth everything. and everything in between yeah um, Kind of, I guess that kind of gave us a little seat of traveling because, you know, uh, as a young, my first airplane ride was at seven years old, you know, by myself, and I wasn't scared. Wow. Yeah, my, my uh, I had a really good friend that lived in Fort Worth that took care of us when we were younger, and I love her to death, you know. Uh, um, but yeah, she wanted to see if I wanted to go, and I guess my parents asked. You want to go visit her? You'll go on yourself on the airplane, and I was like, "Let's do it, yeah." So at seven, you know, flew by myself to um, to Fort Worth, and well, I mean, of course, I had 
the whole gang of um, airplane, what is it, uh, the flight attendants around mm-hmm. me, taking care of me. I loved it. You know, it was cool. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we love to travel, my sister and I, and Adriana, I was blessed to have a wife that loves to travel as well. And, you know, uh, continue that passion. Yeah, right? totally, man. But, you know, I think just the mix, the mixture of how we were brought up to the adopted parents that we had was what drove us to become, you know, hardworking people and, 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 and long for that success, you know, is it's the mixture. Like, I think it was mm-hmm. probably the perfect mixture for us to be where we're at now. Did you have a hard time trusting people from your upbringing? Because, like, for example, for mine, you know, as I was growing up and because I was on the move mm-hmm. so often yeah. that I had a hard time. Tr- I got to a point where I almost couldn't trust certain people. Yeah. Because, you know, like my mom, she'd come home one day and she'd say, she'd say hey, I'll give up drinking. Yeah. tomorrow mm-hmm. and you know that tomorrow turned into years and years so yeah. that's a problem that I faced myself and had for quite some time did you have a similar experience with trusting people because you know you grew up in a place where you didn't have that permanent place to live mm-hmm. or access to food or any of those other things and if so how did you develop that over time um I think I, I mean I yeah, I still have the trust issues to an extent. Um, you know, I, I don't let my guard down that easily at times. I mean, my wife will tell you at first, you know, I was, I was, I, I, I did have that, you know, that wall, but um, you, you have to get to know people and, and just, I've learned that you need to just, you know, trust people. I mean, with everything going out going on now in the world, it, you know, it's, I know it's probably hard, but I think statistically there's a lot more good people than there is bad people, you know, and and I've learned that. Um, but growing up, yeah, I definitely had some issues with trust, you know. I I remember when I was adopted, I was very happy because um, I finally had a family, you know. Maybe back then I didn't. I didn't have much trust issues to be quite honest. I was young still. With me, it was more like high school. Like I didn't want people knowing I was adopted, you know, uh, because it was different, and you know, I didn't, I didn't want people to judge me or. Um, but that changed because now I'm extremely comfortable letting people know uh, that I'm adopted and. And, uh, and working uh, for a cause to let people know it's okay, like, uh-huh. it's fine, like, yeah, and, but yeah, it, I guess with me, it took time, it took, it took time, and honestly, Adriana, my wife, was the one that really helped me with that, um, she has an adopted brother, mm-hmm. and so, you know, when I told her and opened up to her that I was adopted, she was like, oh, that's, that's awesome, that's cool, like, I have a brother that's adopted, you know, and so that really put me at ease. And so I kind of, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give her the credit. Like she kind of broke that wall and was like, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, I love you for who you are and where you're from and, and what you did and, and who you are now. So, yeah, I mean, I think. So do, do you think you know, it's as simple as um, just sharing your story with, Anyone, or in your case, it seemed like you know someone who may or may not sounds like someone who may understand your background. Yeah, with me, it started off with at first um, talking to someone who understood my background that, personally, and once that took place, I was a lot uh, you know trustworthy with people regarding my story and, and my background. But it, it took that one person that understood personally, uh, and then I was uh, what is it? Uh, very, very much comfortable with letting open to it. Yeah, and yeah, it was like this isn't a problem. Like this is this is normal. And uh, there's a lot of kids that are adopted and, and young adults that are adopted, and it's fine, man. It's it's awesome. You know, it, it really is. When did you decide to become an entrepreneur? 
because a lot of it sounds like, you know, your background and my background as well, like, yeah. I think when you're forced to be a survivor, you're forced to create. So later on in life, that trans that can translate into adventure or whatever else, yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, two questions. When did you become an entrepreneur and how difficult is it for you to, or was it for you, to get to a point where you're maintaining and not creating? Sure. So, I mean, with me, you know, I graduated college, went into the workforce, you know, and I didn't like the monotonous everyday, same thing. And um, I think most importantly, like like you kind of touched base there, I didn't like being told what to do, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I am a creator, you know, uh, I love art um, and I love, and since a young age, I, I, I like painting and, and, and drawing. And now I'm involved in an art form, which is the culinary arts and the service industry. Um, but yeah, I think right out of college, I was like, no, I need, I need to do something on my own. And luckily, I, I met my wife and, and we started it together. But even prior to that, like I, I used to, I love, I love the service industry. And, you know, I worked at an old English tea room and that was my very first experience with the food industry. Uh, prior to that, I worked at Walt Disney World. Um, also in the service industry, was more of the hotel side of it, resort side, and, and I love that as well, just talking to people and interacting with people, especially people from all over the world. Different backgrounds. Yes, man, I love that, and getting to know people and their backgrounds um, from everywhere. I really enjoy that. Um, and then I feel even more in love with the service industry with my second internship in college, was, which was in the United Kingdom and Britain. Um, and I, I fell in love with, you know, the uh, beer and alcohol, wine side of it. It was, that was really cool. And so I'd done food, beverage, and resort, you know. And so that all tied in together to, and, and built me to, to want to be in the service industry. And now we kind of touch, well, honestly, we touch base with everything. Yeah, because now we work with venues. And so, yeah, it's been um, a process that almost uh, systematically happened without me wanting for it to happen. It just, it just happened. Um, But, um, but yeah, I mean, and then finally, you know, everything came together and Adrian and I worked together and we built Red Book Chef from the bottom um, to what it is now and, and we will continue to build uh, build it. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it all, start, it all started with graduating and then I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't like being told what to do. Like, I get it. This is uh, the way it is, but it's not for me. And so, you know, I, I definitely... Uh, I left that and started uh, Red Book Chef with Adriana. But another thing that was cool too is like when I when I was a server or a bartender, um, I would so I found out that every uh, server needs a pen. You know they need lighters to light candles. Um, wine keys are important, uh, and so I always had those three items in bulk. So if you know. A I can tell you're carrying one yeah. of those right now. Yeah, <laughs> and so if, like, say for example, if servers, you know, if they needed a pen at, at, at a given time, or if they needed a lighter or a wine key, you know, I I would buy this in bulk, and then yeah, I would make a profit, you know, selling it to the servers, um, and so they were always like, you know, and, and I would always let them know if you need anything, just let me know, I have... I have these items and you know for sale um so that's when i noticed like oh this is a small little business (laughs) you know and supply and demand if they need it i have it and so um yeah and that's what i would do man like oh also like every evening afterwards we would roll silverware and some people have long days and if they needed uh if they wanted to leave or, if, you know, Saturdays they wanted to just go out and party, you know, I wasn't the partying type and I'd be like, well, I'll roll your silverware for 15 bucks and, and they'd, they'd pay. 
So on top of whatever I made, I make a little Makes extra. Sense. Yeah, because they just they didn't want to roll the silverware. So I was like, well, just pay me, I'll do it. And so yeah, that's when I had that business mindset, and you know, um, it was it was important important for me just because it, I made a little extra money, but it kind of was like a little foundation of you know of business, you know, and and it just came naturally, you know, it came natural. So it sounds like starting Redbook Chef was was a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, all your experiences came together. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to you know, so when you came to that decision. On when, or when you were about to make that decision to actually go full on with Redbook Chef, because obviously it wasn't generating money yet the day one. Yeah. How hard was it? And did you have any doubt before you started it? Before you said, "All right, I'm all in." Um. Of course, there's some doubt that comes in, especially like say, for example, with your first wedding or your first corporate event. How did you overcome that? Um. Again, it goes back to the first saying at the end, I had to just do it, you know, do just it. do it. Um, and you have to really build confidence and train your staff, you know, uh, with the culture that you have and go just go ahead first and do it. Um, you know, luckily we've been blessed to have a, a great business where it's been smooth. You know, we do have bumps here and there, but the bumps are on our end. So we, the clients never know. You know, they never know what's going on. Um, but just like every business, there's bumps and we tackle them and learn from them, you know. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as like Red Book Chef, exactly, it was a no-brainer. Then I was a, she, at the time when we met, she was um, in culinary school, the Cordon Bleu, and uh, she was learning. And at that time, she cooked amazing. Now she just, it's a whole nother level, man. It just... When I'm, you know, when, when I eat at home, it's amazing meals, you know. Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal meals. Uh, um, but at the beginning, it was really hard because we decided never to get a loan. Like, we didn't want a loan to start Red Book Chef. Like, so we were putting... Probably had enough of those from college already, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Tell me about it. But we, we decided to, you know, we both worked. Uh, and I was working uh, full-time at a restaurant, you know, bartending and serving and training. And Adriana was working uh, at a food market, um, and she was, uh, we were both working full-time, sometimes putting in 50, 60 hours with, you know, uh, both combined with restaurant and Red Book Chef, sometimes even 80 hours. Like, we were just uh, working these abnormal hours, but it was all worth it, you know, and, and at the same time with serving, I was still like selling the pens and the, you know, the lighters. Yeah, the side hustle of, of serving and bartending uh, and then working Red Book Chef and funding, both other and I funding, you know, the materials that we needed and, um, you know, and, and watching the business grow, which, which was at the end our pay because we weren't until this day we don't get paid that much but our reward is taking care of the people that work for us because by taking care of them they're taking care of our, of our uh, clients um, so that's very important to us another thing is watching our business grow um, investing in it is is our pay um, later on we'll, we'll definitely see um, the fruit of our labor, but as of now, you know, it's we get paid, but it's very, very minuscule. It's not that much, and, and we're okay with that. You know, it pays for the bills. You're in it for the long run. Yeah, man, and, it, and as long as it pays for you know our travels, you, we're happy with that. You know, um, but yeah, it, you know, it is somewhat scary at first, of course, because you're diving in. Um, but I'm once we're sure in it, you don't know if you'll make it. Yeah, it's like you know, somewhat of an abyss, something new. But we still maintain that confidence, Adrian and I, that we would succeed and, and we're watching it succeed. We still have a lot more to go, but um but it's it's been fun, which is the number one key. We we have a good time doing it. We have a, a good time with our staff. It's always fun. 
And the beauty of the service industry, and especially with catering, every event is completely different, completely new, so it's not monotonous. It's always changing, um, and that's what's fun about what we do. It's the, the, the key is having fun, and that's, that's what we do, and, and we will continue to do. So you talk about a lot about investing in yourself. You mm-hmm. obviously have done that, mm-hmm. and you invested in this business. Mm-hmm. When did you first invest in yourself, and do you have any recommendations for how others can do the same thing? Absolutely. Um, think big. Always, always, always think big. Um, you know, the first time I invested in myself, of course, was at, at college, you know, going to university, learning. Um, but then internships for me was a huge investment. Um, more for, more, I mean, it was, of course, for me, but for the long run, now that I'm older, that was one of the biggest investments I did. Um, because I learned a lot uh, in the service industry with Walt Disney World and the United Kingdom in a different country, in a different continent. Um, and for me, that was, that's been the biggest um, anything that I've done for myself. Um, and I think it, it not only gave me value, but it, it gives value to the business as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, that to me is the biggest. That's awesome. Go big. Anything and everything is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I was younger, friends were like, dude, what the heck, man? Like, you just get up and go, like, by yourself. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I do. Because the biggest high, if you will, for me, is traveling and when I was younger like in my early 20s I would just get up and go and you know travel and see and learn and that to me was I mean it's been amazing because you learn a lot in a different place and it's just a high that you can't I mean it's the biggest thing that that you can do for yourself and it gives value to your to you and to whatever it is that you do, you know, inspires um, you beyond. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally, man. Like, uh, it, it's it's learning continuously, and through the travels, it allows you to do that. It allows you to learn and uh, grow because you're, you know, you're, you're you're seeing other cultures and learning from other cultures, and and that's one thing my 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 adopted father Alfredo told me was, when you travel, never think you're better than anybody on the contrary you know learn from them and and learn from from their culture and take that with you and that's what I've done I, I always do and um, yeah I mean that's, for that's you. the best yeah, yeah man, for you. totally, totally. Uh, final thought in the situation where odds are completely against you what are some core fundamental principles that you always refer to um, I love pressure. Uh, I work best under it. Um, so I don't know what it is, man. Like again, I think it's because I'm I'm very rooted with where I'm from, and I think as a as a child, excuse me, at that age, you um you don't know that where you're at in life as a, as a child, it, that's, that's rough, man. Like you, you're living on the streets and you're, you're, um, you know, you're in this environment that no kid should be in. Mm-hmm. But at that age, I was still happy, you know? Um, of course at four or five years old, when I was plucked out from that environment, put into a foster home, I was very sad because I, you know, I'd lost my mother. I didn't know where she was. I was in a different environment, enclosed in a house, you know. Um, but then the blessing was being adopted. So at that age, that's pressure, man. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, so now that I'm older, and then Adriana sometimes is like, you're Pray too man. calm. Yeah. yeah and, and But I work best under it. Like, uh, you know, I know things will work themselves out. 
even when things are like falling apart, I know that we'll learn from it and we'll be better people. Um, and so to me, working under pressure or just being under pressure, you know, I work best under it, man. Like it's not normal if there isn't any pressure, you know, like, um, as long as I'm happy, as weird as it sounds, I'm not a masochist, but as long as I'm happy under pressure or under, you know, certain circumstances that people break, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'll be fine. Like, I know I'll overcome it. Um, it's like they say, you know, after a storm, the sun will come out. And so when I'm in that storm, you know. Um, as long as you know that that's, yeah, yeah, there's pass. a chance. Yeah, it'll pass, man, and, and it'll be better. And you'll learn from it. You'll learn from whatever it was that happened. Uh-huh. You know, you'll learn from it. So it's, it's, it's life, you know, and always learn from the good and the bad. So before we wrap, wrap up, how do people find you? How do people get connected with your work? Yeah, so you can uh, look up our website. It's www.redbookchef.com. Uh, we also have our uh, Instagram, uh, which is just redbookchef. Our Facebook as well as redbookchef. Uh, we also have a Twitter, redbookchef. Um, do you guys do anything live, any workshops, any classes that totally, people yeah. come and participate? Absolutely. Through our website, you'll find that we do classes. We like to work with youth, with uh, with children in particular. Um, what is it? Yeah, so we do classes for that. But if, if people just want to learn certain things, we're currently working on our YouTube channel. So we'll be having you know certain fun stuff on there for, for our uh, fans, if you will, um, but uh, yeah, little by little. Again, we're growing and One we're finding ways. Time. Yeah, we're finding ways to grow and and, and become bigger. Uh, but yeah, redbookchef.com. That's awesome. All right, man. Thanks okay. for joining no us. Wait, thank you. It was it was a pleasure. And thank you for having me. Not a problem. We uh, we absolutely are big fans of of overcoming odds. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you haven't done so already please subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of our latest episodes along with featured stand-up and speak-up stories and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Before we end today's episode, I'm curious to know, what is currently holding you back from achieving your dream? Feel free to share your answers by tagging us on Instagram or Facebook at Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you next week.